0: Zeke just tweeted HIPAA. You know he's he's pissed that this got out there. Uh, how do you feel about it? I mean, technically, you know, Ian Rappaport reported that he had COVID. It's not it's not Rappaport's uh, responsibility to not give his personal records out. Someone else definitely leaked that.
1: Yeah, I mean, from his tweets, he's making it seem like his doctor, you know, uh, <laughs> or leaked him having COVID. You know, which is against the law, so I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, but it's going to be interesting to hear people say how this could affect his stock in fantasy football when you know it actually has no relevance whatsoever.
0: Yeah, he's good. I mean, if you can get him for cheap in best ball or trade for him in dynasty or something, I would definitely recommend that. the The interesting thing is that like Sunday mornings, this is I think going to be just as prevalent is like injury reports it's going to be like somebody got covid up they're out this week or there's a possibility that there's going to be like a what like a one or two week waiting period when these guys get it so i mean how do you think that's going to play out in the season i could see like players missing multiple games from this throughout the year
1: yeah i mean it's it's definitely going to be on the injury report now you're going to see guys missing because of illness but we know it'll be because Mm -hmm. of corona And like you said, two weeks, three weeks minimum if they get it and then they'll have to go through additional testing to make sure. So it could definitely affect DFS when the season starts. Uh, So that's definitely going to be something to pay attention to for fantasy.
0: Gone to your head. I mean, is the season going to start? in september slash at all in 2020 i mean we saw today that the commissioner of the mlb said that he's quote not confident that baseball will be played anymore which is like a very stiff turn from the messaging we had seen from the mlb up to this point it seems like everything was on track now all of a sudden he's not confident and i don't know where that puts football
1: it's uh it's hard because with mlb specifically The reason that they won't start is because of the negotiations between the players association and the owners. The owners want them to, you know, take pay cuts because they're not going to be playing full seasons. They're not going to have fans in the stadium, which drastically cuts the owner's revenue in half. So I could see where the owners are coming from. But then again, like the players want to be paid what they're supposed to be making in their contracts. So it's just this whole ordeal with the MLB. I, so I think that situation is just—it's kind of like just a standalone situation. I don't think it affects the NFL. I think the NFL has protocols set in place, and I think we'll see the football season start in September. You know, probably without fans for the first couple of weeks. I, if I had to guess, because the United States just had just has had a very uh, what's the word like terrible way of dealing with this. <laughs> Like, New Zealand is already having live sports with fans back and whatnot. They haven't had cases in over three weeks, and it's like, you know, if us as a country, if we could have did that to begin with, we probably would have had every sport back by now. But if I had to guess, uh, NFL will start first week of September.
0: I sure hope so, because we are about to get into some NFL talk. NFL Talk What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 73 of the DFS Does Podcast, your fix of fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover. As always, I am joined by Joey Carrion. On today's show, we are going to be looking at some players to avoid at their current cost in 2020 drafts, ADP landmines, if you will, picks that have a strong chance to blow up in your face if you make them in drafts right now. But Before we delve into any of that, Joey, would you mind telling the people how they can support the podcast?
1: As always, you can support the DFS Dose by subscribing or following us on every major podcast platform, which includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and even Podcast Addict. If you would like, you can leave a rating and a review, and remember, you know, five stars only. And then you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS Dose to keep up to date with the latest news clips and takes from the DFS Dose. And we're going to be giving out a lot of spicy takes on this episode. So keep an eye out on the Instagram and the Twitter for those. Just let's get right into it.
0: Yes, let's bring the spice you know when it comes to analyzing fantasy football everybody's you know hyped to give who they like but i think it's equally important to give the people the information on who they should be avoiding that is of the utmost importance because you know when you hit these drafts you know making the wrong pick is going to be just as detrimental to your team as making the right pick would be beneficial so we're going to talk about a couple of players here that you know are just You know, we don't necessarily dislike them as players. We don't dislike the production they're going to have. It's just that they're flat out going too high. You know, if they fell from their current ADPs, maybe we'd have some interest in a case-to-case basis. But just right now, these prices are not great. Uh we're using Drafter's ADP. One of the reasons, you know, drafters is doing best ball drafts every single day. So I think that their ADP is pretty consistent. It's you know going along with market trends. So as these players are going higher or lower based on news, you know, their ADP is changing. So that's why we opted to go there. And I'm going to start off here with Aaron Jones, who's the RB9 full PPR, and his ADP is 17.5. So he's a mid-round second round pick and and the main reason that i'm not high on aaron jones this season is because when you look at his production last year so much of it came from touchdowns which we know year over year Mm -hmm. is one of the least sticky stats you know it's it's up and down and 36.2 percent of his fantasy points came from touchdowns now to put that in perspective only 24.2% of Christian McCaffrey's points came from touchdown, the rest from receptions and, and yardage. Zeke was at about 26%. So, you know, when you're in this 36% range and there's all the reason in the world, I think, to believe that Aaron Jones touchdowns are going to come down, you just can't take him at that price. They added A.J. Dillon, who's, you know, only real skill set you know, from an NFL perspective, you think would be goal line work. Jamal Williams is there. And for whatever reason, he's always been vulturing some of Aaron Jones receiving work, despite what a great pass catcher Aaron Jones is. You know, we're talking about a three headed backfield, and we're talking about a player who gets so much of their their production from touchdowns. I, I want no part of Aaron Jones in the second round.
1: Yeah, Aaron Jones is tough for me, because I think your argument is correct, you know, cuz touchdowns are essentially variants, mm-hmm. um, especially year over year. And 18 touchdowns last year, that that's definitely on the high end of his variance as a running back. But the only thing that you know I could argue against you is the fact that the Packers offense, you know, really lacks talent if you if you look at it from a holistic perspective. Um, They have Devontae Adams as their wide receiver one, and then after that, it it looks uh, terrible, to say the least. That's disrespectful
0: Um, to my guy Lazard, but continue.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Alan Lazard. (laughs) Uh, They really have no tight end. People are projecting Sternberger to be the starter. I think he is at this moment, but who knows how he'll play out and what his role will be. So that essentially leaves Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams as the playmakers in the in the Packers offense. So I think Aaron Jones will still be on the field a good amount. I do agree that with them drafting A.J. Dillon in the second round, I believe, and then the them and then Lafleur still wanting to put Jamal Williams on the field like thirty five percent of the time is just a huge hit to Aaron Jones. I just feel like Aaron Jones is a talented player and the Packers just lack offense on that talent. So they're going to need him out there as much as possible this year.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely not questioning his talent. I think that if he, you know, if they simply didn't add Dylan, there would be a better, you know, there'd be more reason to like him. It's just, it's just hard liking anybody in a, a three headed backfield, especially when you have to take them as a top 10 running back and especially uh, mm-hmm. when the coach has really shown no indication up to this point yeah. that they're going to give him that full workload. But yeah. let's move on to our next guy, Joey, who is a an ADP landmine that you're, that you're uh, going to be avoiding.
1: This one might ang- anger some people out there. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Mm. Yeah, kind of a hot take. It's not that I don't like him as a player, and I'll go on record and say all of the guys that I'm going to discuss – I, I like them as players. I just don't like where they're going in drafts. Um so Clyde Edward Edwards Hilaire is being drafted as the R B seventeen, just like a mid RB two, but you could see him go higher than that. You could see him realistically go as like a fringe RB one like in the twelve or the thirteenth spot. And I think that's just I think that's just wrong. He's a rookie running back coming into the nfl i know he's on the best offense with the best quarterback and an offensive genius with andy Reid, so he's got that going for him but i just don't see him carrying a full workload for the entire year damian williams is still there and i and i'm higher than consensus on damian williams especially for this year and if both of them are healthy we could you know realistically see a 50 50 time split between the two for you know half or a majority of the season and if that plays out in that like in that in that way edwards hilaire is not worth being drafted in in the spot where he's being drafted at especially if he's your rb1 for your best ball uh teams or your redraft teams uh that's that's just a no-no
0: for me how do you how do you feel about edwards hilaire and well damian williams so, so here's the thing. I I checked my uh, my best ball ownership before we did the show, and Edwards Hilaire is in my top ten most owned players through about. I'm closing in on a hundred drafts finished. So I'm I'm high on him, and I wish that I could take him later. I will say that while his ADP is listed as 38.2, you're not getting him past the two three turn. I haven't seen him in the third round in at least a month. So. So there's that with his ADP. I think that realistically, you know, once we're getting closer to the season, his ADP will for sure be settled within the second round. Um, mm-hmm. The hype around him is going to build, especially, I don't know how much training camp stuff we're going to see. Like we talked about at the top of the show, it's it's a new world out there. But, you know, if if things were normal, you know, around July, August, we'd be seeing some insane training camp footage that would boost the hype around him, maybe, with that with that sort of lesson due to the covid stuff, you know, his his ADP won't skyrocket any further, but you know, first round draft stock, receiving talent. Some of the highlights you see of him catching like these insane wheel routes. It looks like he's exactly the type of player that Patrick Mahomes is going to utilize in the best possible way. And and one question that I ask myself when I'm drafting in the first 3 rounds of a fantasy draft is is this player going to be drafted higher or lower than where I'm taking them right now. And I don't believe that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be drafted outside of the second round in 2021. I think that he could potentially be a running back one, a first round pick next year if things go well. Like, yeah, he's probably going to be splitting with Damian Williams. I like Damian Williams as much as the next guy. Should have been the Super Bowl MVP, yada, yada. But I think that Edwards Hilaire has the potential to be a much better player. And we saw Damian Williams produce RB1 stats for, you know, stretches of games at a time. And he was never the guy getting, you know, 25 plus touches. So I don't think Edwards Hilaire even really needs to be getting like 20 touches per week to be, you know, somebody who benefits from being in the Chiefs offense and get a ton of touchdowns. And and the last thing I'll say is it's it's just like the guys going around him. Like, am I going to take, you know, Josh Jacobs or... Like Aaron Jones, like we mentioned, or like even Todd Gurley, who I'm I'm sort of high on this year, but you know I just think that being in that Chiefs offense is really enticing, and yeah, especially in a format like Best Ball, where you know he can he can pop off without having to worry about if him or Damian Williams is the guy that week.
1: Yeah, I guess mine is more so geared towards redraft. I, I would I would assume because. If you're drafting him as your RB1 for the season, even though his upside is immense, I I just don't think that's the right move. Like I said, Damian Williams, he's still going to be there. And he, if he takes 45% of the running back touches, we could see Edwards-Lair hover around 12 to 13 touches a game. And do I want that out of a player that I'm drafting in the second round? No, I, I just don't want that. I mean, so I disagree with you. I'd rather, I'd rather have Josh Jacobs... And in, in that area and some of the other running backs and Clyde Edwards layer, I mean, great offense uh, there. There is a lot of upside, especially if he becomes the, you know, the full full time player. But I guess I'm just assuming that he's not going to be the full the full time running back for the Chiefs this season especially with some of the guys that they got there
0: I, I agree with that i think that it's like well maybe not likely but i think that if you are buying into edwards Hilaire with that stock you're going to be viewing it like he's kind of like the alvin camara of the old Kamara and ingram backfield where damian williams still has his role he's still productive and Kamara was getting it done with limited usage but he was on such a good offense and in such an explosive pass game role that he benefited. And I think that's a good transition to talk about my next guy here, Mark Ingram himself, the man, the myth, the legend. He is going as the running back 19 right now. And his ADP is 42.3. So we're talking about a fourth round pick. And I think that that is quite frankly, one of the worst picks you could possibly make right now, especially in full PPR, because let's face it, you know, Mark Ingram is not that guy, you know, he's not going to be catching a ton of passes. You know, you look at his production last year and he had, 20 touches or more in only two games. You know, he is in a three-headed backfield. I'm not calling Lamar Jackson a running back. That would be disrespectful. That's your bag, not mine. So I'm I'm not doing that, but we have to face it, that if you are a Ravens running back, as long as Lamar Jackson is the quarterback, you know, you're losing eight to 10, even more touches every single week because that's what he's going to be doing. Then you compound that with the addition of J.K. Dobbins, who some people view as the number two or three most talented running back in this class. And and I just think that that is going to be a complete mess. They've still got Gus the Bus, They've got Justice Hill. um, And those guys, you know, even without significant roles, if they're vulturing one, two, three touches per week plus what Lamar's taking, plus the role that Dobbins carves out for himself. I just, I don't see it. You know, I've got Mark Ingram ranked in like the 30s and he's going as the running back 19. So I I will have zero shares of him in best Ball this season and uh, probably the same goes for redraft.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely on board with all of that. I'm just not drafting a 30-year-old running back that is in a timeshare. Although they are on a great offense and a great rushing offense, at that. I I just can't fathom taking him ahead of guys like, you know, Kareem Hunt, J.K. Dobbins, even Tariq Cohen in PPR leagues, even Damian Williams, who we just discussed. Uh, I I just can't see. I mean, he had a he had a good year last year. Don't get me wrong. He had a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns on 202 attempts. But I don't I don't think he gets over 200 attempts again this year, especially with having Lamar Jackson, you know who's basically a running back, and then, and then they drafted J.K. Dobbins. I I just don't see him getting as many touches as he did last year. He ended up with 228 touches total. He had 26 catches last year. Uh, I I could see that honestly being cut in half. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not drafting Mark Ingram at all. I'll let somebody else do that. I mean, he'd be a good pick if he fell to me like in the 15th round. But other than that, I'm I'm staying away.
0: Yeah, yeah, we are on the same page with that. Give me a, give me another running back.
1: Right, it's very running back heavy to start. Um, So my second guy that I am personally staying away from that actually had a really good year last year, but his stats may have been boosted is Leonard Fournette, who finished as the RB7 last year and is being drafted currently as the RB14. So right around the RB1, high RB2 spot. And I, I'm just not drafting Leonard Fournette this year. It, it's just that simple. You know, the Jags were shot have been shopping him all offseason. They were they were even gonna trade him away for like a sixth round pick. They do not want this man on their team. It also doesn't help that the Jags are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think we can all predict that. Yes. You know, coming true. Terrible offense, terrible offensive line, pretty much an unproven quarterback. They signed Chris Thompson who will realistically take the 100 targets and 76 catches that Fournette had last year, which is why he finished as the RB7 in PPR leagues. Fournette is not a pass-catching back. 100 targets for him is probably a career high in any uh, situation he's been in. High school, college, <laughs> pee-wee league, whatever. <laughs> he had 76 catches. Three touchdowns last year on 300-plus touches. I just can't fathom drafting this man as my RB1 slash high RB2. I just can't this year.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, Fournette is another player that I have 0.0 shares of in my 100-plus best ball drafts. Uh, Just playing devil's advocate for a second, even though I don't really believe anything that's about to come out of my mouth. I mean you know, he could be the anti Aaron Jones, you know, where we talk about touchdowns not being sticky, you know, the, like you mentioned three touchdowns on over 300 carries is insane. You know, perhaps he doesn't get stuffed so frequently at the one yard line, you know, a play that yeah, was. I'll
1: never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget the week that he was chalk in, on DraftKings. I think it was later in the season. This man got, <laughs> can't even say it without laughing. He got four straight carries at the one-yard line against, like, the Bengals or something and got stuffed on all four attempts. Yeah. Like, I I just lost faith in him after that. Like, I was really high on him as a running back coming out of LSU. Like, I thought he was going to be, you know, the next great running back, but he just hasn't impressed many people so far in his career so
0: it's possible the touchdowns come up I don't think it's likely because like you said I think we can all pretty much project the Jags to be you know a bottom five team in the NFL right now uh you know his previous NFL high-end targets was 48 so he more than doubled that in an insane you know year last year that'll never happen again the only the only thing I would say is that there's really nobody behind him, like you said, Chris Thompson, whose you know bones are as brittle as they come yeah he'll he'll probably siphon some you know receiving work, but that's all he's not gonna eat into fournettes touches, Reichwell Armstead, another you know average to below average player like like, well below average, I would say. So, you know, Fournette should still have a significant amount of touches if he's on the team, but like you said, the team doesn't really want him. I don't think he wants to be on the team. Like, he was vocal about, you know, the Jags should bring in Cam Newton instead of ride with Minshew, and that team seems pretty set on Minshew for the moment. So, yeah, I'm not really with the Fournette either. Um, That's a good call. Do you want to throw another running back out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, just going at all these running backs. Uh, my my next guy, my third guy on the list is Le'Veon Bell, who is currently being drafted as the running back 18, so a couple spots after uh, Uncle Lenny. And I'm, ju- I'm just not high on Lev in this Jets offense. I'm just not. You know, if he was back on the Steelers, he's a first round pick, guaranteed. He's a great player. Don't get me wrong. I like him as a player. I think he is a good running back. He's a great receiving running back like he has all the tools to be an rb1 like we've seen it with that being said he's still on the new york jets Mm -hmm. while they might be an average team they finished seven and nine last year so not a bad record but they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. You know, they drafted Makai Becton to try and help sure that up, but he's still going to be a rookie tackle coming into the NFL, facing off against elite pass rushers, especially in the division. He had, what, 245 attempts last year, so not the best. 789 yards, three touchdowns last year, only averaged 3.2 yards per carry. I would say that's just more so the Jets having the worst offensive line in the NFL. And I, I think... I think he's just in a bad situation as a J- with the Jets, and Adam Gase is an absolute clown. So, yeah, so Lev Bell is a no-go for me. Like I said, great player, just in a bad situation, bad team. So I'll be avoiding uh, most Jets players.
0: Better be careful before he writes a diss track about you.
1: Hey, man, he, he's not that good of a rapper. So I think I could take him.
0: Mm, disrespect in the... I think his rap name is Juice, right? But um, anyways, you know, the thing about Le'Veon Bell, I find it hard sometimes because, you know, when he was in his prime with the Steelers pre-holdout, like his his running style was probably my favorite to watch. He was just such a fun player to watch, like so unique in his style And, you know, you look at it, like you said, he's got all the tools and an amazing receiving back. One of the best, probably from a pure talent perspective. But he is on the Jets with a coach whose specialty seems to be minimizing talent uh, in Adam Gaze. (laughs) But Le'Veon Bell, he's only 28 years old and he has a full year off of wear and tear on his body. So, you know, it's possible if the Jets, you know, they you mentioned uh, they added they They added a few other guys in free agency. Nobody big named, but you know, sometimes those signings can help more than you would expect once the year actually rolls around. I think there's a chance that he is more productive with a similar workload because, you know, I mean, still, he did have 66 receptions. So I I do see him having a pretty high floor. It's just I think that some of the guys going around him is the best argument against him. Like, I would rather draft David Johnson, James Conner, Melvin Gordon. I I like all those guys more than Le'Veon Bell. Mm because of the teams yeah. they're on, especially. So so that that's really my biggest problem with Le'Veon Bell is just the guys going around him. I I all like more. But I mean if you, you know, wait on, you know, for some reason I wouldn't advise this, especially in 2020. But if you start with two wide receivers and a tight end or three wide receivers and you need a running back who's going to give you a high floor, but maybe not a crazy ceiling, I think that could be Le'Veon Bell just due to the receptions. But but yeah, he's not he's not an exciting pick, which is a shame considering the talent he has.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with the point about him being, you know, like a good running back to take if you're going zero running back in your draft, but like you said and I I did forget to mention it, the guys around him are just in better situations, I believe, so that's a big reason of why I'll be avoiding Le'Veon Bell this year for the most part, unless I get him in a in a crazy spot like at the end of the fourth round. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all in all, I think I think he's just in a bad situation. Great player, bat on a bad team with a coach who you know just doesn't put his players in a position to succeed and i think that just sums up sums up adam gase's career
0: it does it does let's let's talk about yet another running back i mean this wasn't supposed to be a running back show it just ended up that way and and a guy that i'm going to be avoiding uh in pretty much every draft is raheem muster um he's going as the running back 28 his adp is 60 and My biggest issue with Mostert is really that I don't believe that he is any better than Tevin Coleman, who, you know, in comparison is going at 118, running back 45 compared to 28 for Mostert. So just that ADP difference alone, I'm going to be leaning Coleman. Uh, Coleman's one of my highest owned best ball plays this year for that simple fact is that I think that you can get him as your running back four, and he's going to have an equal role to Mostert in my opinion. You know, these two players, Mostert and Coleman entered the league in the same year, 2015. And, you know, Coleman has never been a lead back his entire, you know, his entire time with the Falcons, he was splitting time with Devonta Freeman. He was always the one B in that equation, if not just the flat out number two. And, you know, Mostert, Still has like four times less carries than Coleman, who who like I said never been a lead back. So Moster is a zero in the passing game. Tevin Coleman's not some prolific cast, uh, you know, pass catching back, but at least he's capable in that arena. And it, it's really to me just uh, the fact that I think that Tevin Coleman is an equal player to him at a much cheaper price, and for that reason, you know, I'm not gonna pay a premium to get to get Moster in the middle rounds there.
1: Yeah, I think that's just the biggest argument is Tevin Coleman still being there. With a huge contract as well. So they will definitely be splitting carries and touches come the start of the season. Now it'll be a different situation if one of them gets hurt. Like if Tevin Coleman gets injured again, then we'll see Mostert be a smash RB1 in my opinion. Because I think he's a good player and a good running back on a team that wants to establish a run.
0: They do. It's just he's a player who has under 200 career touches. Since 2015, so it's yeah, a, that's but I mean,
1: the only he's thing be, he's been on. He was an undrafted you know player bouncing around from team to team, never really got a, a chance to shine until he got to San Francisco and had a bunch of injuries in front of him for him even to get on the field. Yeah, like, you can argue, like, talent shines through or whatever. But still, being an undrafted player, we see it all the time. Like, we could see great players slip through the cracks, you know, of the NFL process. So, I, I think he's just I think he's just one of those players. Um, so, I, I'm not, personally, I'm not really putting too much stock into his career attempts, you mm-hmm. know. I'm focused on this year and his role with the 49ers because he's obviously going to have a large role. And then, like we just talked about with Le'Veon Bell, Mostert is going to a little bit later, but he's still going around. Some players like Swift, David Montgomery, Cream Hunt, Darius Geist, like all those guys, I like more than are So I think I think the whole like if he falls to me at a certain point, then I'll take him. Yeah, but it, currently as it goes right now, if 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 the way that these ADPs play out in your draft, I'm I'm not taking most in any draft. So
0: that's fair. Do you have uh do you have any non running backs on your list? You want to maybe pivot pivot somewhere else if you got any? Yeah,
1: so I got I got another another uh hot take, mm-hmm. some might say. I mean he this guy he's getting a lot of buzz. A lot of buzz in the fantasy industry. And you know I'm always skeptical about guys that get loved by, you know, the Twitter community, the DFS community, etc. So this guy is a wide receiver, and he goes by the name of A.J. Brown.
0: Mm. Oh, you're about to piss a lot of people off.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So Mr. A.J. Brown is being drafted as the wide receiver 15 at an ADP of 38.2. Third round, you know, late third round, early fourth, he's being drafted as a high-end wide receiver 2 and even a wide receiver one in some cases for specific teams in best ball leagues right you know maybe you go running back running back with your first two picks and then you draft aj brown as your wide receiver one for your team in my opinion this is gonna piss a lot of people off i don't think he's a wide receiver one now let me tell you why we we talk about the environment like offensive environments Same thing with Le'Veon Bell. He's just in a terrible environment, terrible offense, etc. I think A.J. Brown is in one of the worst wide receiver, or pass catcher, I should say, environments in the league in Tennessee. He's on a team that projected will probably be bottom five in pass attempts, as they were this past season. That means they're a run first team with the big dog, who will get at least 25 touches if he's healthy a game. They're going to be playing a lot of ball control, and I just want consistency out of my wide receiver one that is my that is my main argument I'm not saying he's a bad player I'm saying I want consistency and I know last year he was not a full-time player for the entire season but his season stats go a lot like you know 10 games with five or less targets 12 games with four or fewer catches I will say he is the Titans wide receiver one I just think if you're drafting him as your wide receiver one I, I think that's just a bad spot to take him at. I, I really do. I just think he will be very inconsistent. I know he was a rookie last year. He's got a lot a lot of room to improve on a run first team that's gonna be 30th, 31st and pass attempts with a quarterback that ran extremely hot last year in Ryan Tannehill, who is not a good quarterback, in my opinion. I think he just ran super hot, was very efficient. I think AJ Brown is not worth the pick you know being picked as your wide receiver one slash high-end wide receiver two thoughts
0: that's a tough one for me so i'm not like one of these insane aj brown truthers right he's going as what the wide receiver 14 15? 15 he's going as the 15 wide receiver slash 16 15. Right. So he's going there. I've got him as my wide receiver, 14 in my ranking. So I'm I'm just about right there, slightly ahead, but like not nothing crazy, not a crazy stance. But look, I mean, he had, first of all, he was a rookie. That's my first thing. So I think that he can get better from a talent perspective. And I don't think that anything you said is really putting his talent into question. I think we both agree that he's a talented wide receiver. Your point is completely valid about, you know, the offense he's in, you know, I wouldn't expect them to finish, you know, very high in terms of pass attempts. But, you know, A.J. Brown, you know, he was playing like 40% snaps or less for all of September and he was playing with Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I mean, if Tannehill, you know, comes down to earth a little bit in terms of efficiency, which I think we both believe he will, you know, that could lead to less Efficiency, but greater volume for AJ Brown, which I think would help him a lot. And, you know, as a rookie, he finished with over a thousand yards
1: on 49 catches. Don't forget that. A thousand yards on 49 catches is
0: as a part-time is, player know. though. So like so I I wouldn't be shocked if he finished with similar numbers to what he finished with last year over the span of a full season. So you know, less splash games but more consistency I think is possible from him especially when you consider, you know, he finished the final 7 games of the season with a 25% target share on his team, which is you know, that's legit wide receiver one numbers right there. Obviously, it's just not going to look amazing when when 25% of the target share is of a very small target share uh, on the Titans.
1: Yeah, that would be my argument is like, you know, if Tannehill is throwing 20 times a game, 25% of 20 is only five targets a game. And I guess that's just my argument, is that we could see the Titans throwing 20 to 25 times a game where that puts them at you know, five to seven targets as some teams wide receiver ones in best ball. And I, I just don't want that if I'm drafting a wide receiver one, like I don't want the chance for him to have a couple one target or two target games, which I think is in, you know, the the realm of possibility with AJ Brown. And I think people just see his splash plays and get all excited but they don't see the games where the Titans don't even throw the ball or Tannehill doesn't even look in his direction. And he gets two targets, one catch for 25 yards, like 49 catches last year on 80 targets, you know, is all right. And he got over it. He got over the thousand yard mark, which is extremely, extremely efficient. You can't, can't expect that to happen again. I, I do agree. I think his targets will go up. I, I do think his targets and, and catches will go up, but I'm not projecting them to go up into wide receiver one territory. And I think we'll, I think we'll see uh, his ADP rise even further as the season gets closer. If that happens, I'm just, I'm just staying away from AJ Brown because I think there's other players in better situations that are being drafted, you know, later than him. Especially the guy right after him, Calvin Ridley, who is in an offense that lost Austin Hooper and on a team that, you know, was top three in pass attempts last year with an aging Julio Jones. So I mean, I know that's a com- like you know kind of like a I don't I don't know that that's a comparison obviously, but you know, not really talking about Calvin Ridley, but I think you can get guys in that nature in better situations that could severely outperform AJ Brown.
0: Uh, it's definitely a possibility. The the thing I look at when I look at the guys going around him is like you said there's there's AJ Brown is the only guy. You know, you look at somebody like You know, Calvin Ridley, it's very realistic that he gets out-targeted by Julio in 8 out of 16 games. Robert Woods, you could say the same about Cup. There's a bunch of guys, you know, Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton, Steph Diggs. Like, there's a bunch of legit wide receivers on those NFL teams, whereas A.J. Brown is, like, never going to get out-targeted by Corey Davis in a given week. So, that I do think benefits him, but, um, you know, we can move on. I think we both voice our points on this and I'm going to talk about a guy who this is, this is going to be uh, right there with you. I think this is going to be my hottest take of the show. Um, people are not going to like this because this is somebody, like you said, getting a ton of buzz out there in the streets. And that's DJ Moore. DJ Moore mm-hmm. is going as the wide receiver 10. His ADP is 30.2. So we're talking about a you know sort of mid-range third-round pick going as a top 10 wide receiver. Teddy Bridgewater's is his quarterback. I know some people think that Teddy Bridgewater is good. You know, he stepped in, got all those wins with the Saints. Let me tell you this right now. Teddy Bridgewater is no different than Marcus Mariota or Tyrod Taylor or whomever you want to put in that category. He is below average, and he's not going to make mistakes, but he's not going to carry you to the next level, and he's certainly not going to elevate the wide receivers around him to a level they weren't at before. I don't want to sound like a DJ Moore hater because I think that he is a talented player. I think he's by far the best wide receiver on the Panthers, but I just don't, I just don't see it happening for him where he's going to pay off, you know, the wide receiver 10 price tag. I think that we're drafting him basically at his ceiling, which is not how I feel about the guys going around him. You know, he's going above Odell Beckham. He's going above Juju Smith Schuster, you know, above Allen Robinson. These are guys who I think have ceilings inside the top five wide receivers. You know, Odell Beckham and Juju, I think, you know, maybe not a, a huge chance, but a chance at least to finish as the wide receiver one overall in 2020. I don't think DJ Moore has that. Uh, with Teddy Bridgewater at QB and and with the other options on that team, you know they added Robbie Anderson. He's not some prolific guy, but he was considered the best, uh, you know, free agent wide receiver available in this class. He's a deep threat. He might, you know, get some of those deep looks down the field that DJ Moore had had in the past. Uh, you know, Curtis Samuel's still there, another average player in my opinion. But yeah, it, to me, it's really a question of his ceiling. I don't I don't like his ceiling nearly as much as the other guys. I don't think he's gonna, you know, finish you know, like a wide receiver three or anything crazy like that. But, you know, I've got him as my wide receiver 15. And with the wide receiver 10 price tag, I'm going to I'm not going to end up with him a lot this year.
1: See, I I agree with some of your points. I I really do. I think Teddy Bridgewater is not the best quarterback. But with that being said, he had Kyle Allen as his quarterback last year and still finished with eleven hundred yards, eighty seven catches. Only four touchdowns, so you know he really didn't get in the end zone that much. But still, all in all, a great year. Had 135 targets with Kyle Allen, who will probably be a career backup.
0: I thought you were a big Kyle Allen fan. Am I misremembering? I, I
1: don't. I don't. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. That that's the difference. I'm
0: pretty sure you said you thought he was top ten last year at one point, right? No, you Thought he was. No. <laughs> no.
1: I said that he was better than Cam Newton.
0: Oh my God. That's tough. for for
1: the Panthers. Oh, right. Coming into this year. But either way, we're talking about DJ Moore. Um so he still had a great year with subpar QB play. So he could still easily have similar numbers with Teddy Bridgewater who is an upgrade uh to Kyle Allen and DJ Moore in the slot with Teddy Bridgewater could be straight cash. Mm-hmm. Like that could be 10 plus targets a game on very short routes, so not a lot of a uh, not a lot of huge play upside uh, projected, but he could definitely eat up catches with Bridgewater. And I'm not high on Robbie Anderson at all or Curtis Samuel. Like you said, with Curtis Samuel, average. Um, I know I know a lot of people in the fantasy industry love Curtis Samuel. I'm not one of those guys. I, I think he's just a burner. Um, I, don't, I don't think he really excels at anything. I think that goes for Robbie Anderson as well he's just a guy that you're just going to send on a streak and hope that he can burn the quarterback that he's ma- matched up against. So I think DJ Moore's the premier wide receiver one for the Panthers when it comes to him being drafted as the wide receiver 10. I I think it's tough. I think I don't think he should be being drafted that high, but I don't think he is, you know, a wide receiver two. I think I think he is a low end wide receiver one uh in the 12 13 range i i do agree that the guys below him like odell amari cooper Allen robinson juju smith schuster all have higher ceilings this year so i do agree with that but i i I would draft dj more um but maybe that's because you know i drafted him last year and got a great season out of him when he was being drafted in like the 5th and 6th round last year so so basically
0: you look at DJ Moore like the way the fantasy community looks at, like, at AJ Brown
1: yeah yeah exactly like DJ Moore is my son mm-hmm. okay so I always have some respect for him you know you, he put on for me last year but all in all I still think he's in a I think he's in a good situation obviously not the best but like you mentioned the guys around him are just incredible and I think all those guys could and, you know, realistically will finish higher than DJ Moore. So I would bump him down a little bit, but I don't think he's going to be on my non-draft list.
0: All right, let's do one more each. Joey, give me your final ADP landmine for this episode.
1: All right, my final guy is another running back. And, you know, it's personally not more, it's not like a landmine, like don't draft this guy because of of his ADP. He's being drafted really like late. He's like the RB what 39 Sony Michelle. Um. Pains me to say this as a Patriots fan. Oh my
0: god. This is, I, I was not expecting I this. am not
1: drafting Sony Michelle in any single league. Mm. One, we can probably expect the Patriots offense to dip in efficiency. Mm. Two, he's very injury prone. He's had offseason surgeries every single year of his career in college and in the NFL. He just had foot surgery like three weeks ago. He's recovering from that. And we could save this for another episode. I'll give a little teaser. You know, we'll probably put an episode about some late round guys that we like. We usually do that. But Damian Harris will overtake Sony Michelle as the Patriots starting running back this year. Mark my words. So with all that being said. I'm not, I'm not drafting Sony. I don't. He just does not have any upside for me. The Patriots don't use him as a pass catcher because James White and the Patriots offense will probably not be that good. So no no Sony Michelle for for this guy.
0: You know I I was like mid range like I was taking Sony Michelle at this at this draft spot. Like I like him around pick one hundred. You know getting him as your you know RB four RB five. I think that he has touchdown upside. Like we've seen him have big touchdown games, but sort of as a general rule, these, you know, these backfields that are set in stone committees, like we already know for a hundred percent fact that James White is going to be siphoning 80% plus of the receiving work for that running back room. So it's like, if I, if I'm looking at these guys who are in locked in committees, like I usually want the guy who is the receiving back and, and that's not Sony Michelle in this case. And yeah, when you bring down like the Patriots offense as a whole, you would expect the touchdowns, the scoring to to all come down this season, so yeah, it's it's a tough scene and the injury stuff. You know, the foot surgery news that came out this week is you know doesn't bode well for him. I did move Damian Harris up in my rankings. These last couple drafts that I've been in, I've been taking him with my last my 18th round pick. Like you mentioned, I think that you know if you're getting him that late as your running back five or six, you know there's a good chance that he does overtake Sony in my opinion. If Sony Michelle's ADP drops. I will have some interest in him, I think. Because I do think he's a good talented player. I think that the Patriots are probably gonna run a lot this season because they have a potato for a quarterback. But I you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's just yeah, I'm not taking him at this ADP anymore like I was in some of the earlier drafts, and I guess we'll just have to have to see how the situation plays out and what kind of reports we get on on Harris.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, just a quick note, uh Harris is getting a lot of buzz in the in the Patriots beat writers uh, articles so that's something to definitely keep an eye on and the Patriots did draft him with a third round pick last year so you know a decently high draft pick and Sony for the large part has not worked out for the Patriots um terrible pick when it first when they drafted him in the first round like Nick Chubb went a couple picks later like I don't know the thought process behind that pick, but yeah, it's more so watching out for Damian Harris, who, like you said, is going in the last round, even undrafted in most leagues, and for redraft, I mean, he'll definitely have more hype. He'll definitely get drafted. He will be the starting running back for the Patriots. And he will be very productive. He's a good. He's a good player. He was very good at Alabama. So.
0: All right, and my final ADP landmine. This one I think is pretty obvious, but I I actually caught some flack from it when I when I did a a video for drafters talking about my quarterback rankings, and that's Drew Brees. Drew Brees is going as the quarterback ten right now inside the top ninety picks, um, and. And I just would not touch him or or really remotely come close to him at that price. I've got him as my quarterback 17. Um, and and I just don't understand the appeal of Drew Brees as a top 10 quarterback. He's 41 years old. He's already got one foot out the door. He signed his contract with NBC. He's jumping into the booth as soon as this year ends. You know, I don't know whether he or uh or the coaching staff has really you know, said it, said it like, this is Drew Brees' last season or not. Like, I don't think that that has been vocalized by them, but I mean, you just look at it, it's his last season, you know? So if you accept that now and understand that, like he's 41, you know, they got Taysom Hill, they gave him a fat contract extension. So he's going to be in there vulturing Drew Brees, you know, they got famous Jameis back there. I mean, so the backup quarterback is coming off a 5,000 yard passing season it's it's a tough scene and and you know they have Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara two of the best offensive players at their respective positions but outside of that you know what they've got Emmanuel Sanders who's like 35 they've got you know Treyway Traquan Smith uh you know he never really hey, developed hey, the way that we we had hoped we did
1: don't forget Jared Cook Jared Cook finished as like the tight end one over the last like eight games last year yeah so. Jared
0: Cook who's like Drew Brees's age at this point um, it's just a hard pass for me, and I just don't, I just don't see it. I think he's going to get vultured. I think that uh, maybe he lost some some faith with the team. I mean, he kind of wormed his way back, mm-hmm. uh, made some questionable questionable comments, you know, did a one eighty on that, you know, fired some tweets back at Trump. That was pretty good to see, in my opinion. But um, but yeah, I just, I just think that Drew Brees doesn't have the upside that some of these other guys have. Like I would rather take, you know, Baker Mayfield or or Matthew Stafford or, you know, some of these other guys going in that range that I think, you know, just have have a little bit more upside. You know, even even guys who are going well below Drew Brees in ADP, like give me yeah. give me Big Ben, give me Jared Goff, like Daniel Jones. These are all guys that I would I would rather bet on their upside compared to Uh, an age 41 quarterback in his last season
1: yeah i mean i'm definitely with you on the drew Brees take i think people are still latched on to the idea that he is this superstar talent that is gonna put up 50 points a game with this offense i don't think that's the case we've we've seen his arm strength deteriorate over the last couple of seasons i mean he's still an insanely accurate quarterback and, and can have big games. But like you mentioned, uh there there's just so many other quarterbacks that I'd rather have in that same range that have higher ceilings, you know, with better you know, I, I still think the Saints offense is good, but, you know, with better offensive ceilings than the Saints. Yeah, I I, I mean I I probably won't be drafting any Drew Brees either, so
0: I mean, you could draft Philip Rivers and Jimmy Garoppolo like a full hundred picks later. No joke. Like, it's like, it's just the price is insane. Like, even if he doesn't yeah. fall off, it's just the price is sky high. He's not one of those guys who's going to rush for anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a full fade.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Full fade on Drew Brees. Uh, and, you know, some players might be coming after him this year. So, yeah, you know, we'll fa- famous hurt, Jameis
0: so. is coming for uh coming to eat some dubs or, or whatever it is he does.
1: <laughs> I mean, like low key, like Jameis Jameis made a good a good decision going to the Saints. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah,
0: well, you know, he gets in there. Michael Thomas is having two thousand yards this season. <laughs> but um <laughs> two
1: thousand yards and and twenty-seven touchdowns.
0: Yep, yep. But um yeah, I think that's going to be it for us. That was a good episode, real meaty episode. Got into some some talks about why we're going to be fading this group of players. We will be back pretty soon with another episode of the podcast. We've also got some exciting stuff coming outside of the podcast. I don't want to make promises before it's time, but uh stuff with the website is coming along. So, you know, keep an eye out for announcements regarding that. We will be back with another episode soon you can find us on twitter and instagram at uh at the dfs dose as well as our personal accounts i am at ben hover b-e-n-h-a-u-v-e-r joey tell them where they can find you
1: you can find me on twitter at joey carry dfs then forgot to mention it in the beginning of the show but we also post the clips on youtube as well so our YouTube is The DFS so Go ahead and subscribe on the YouTube as well.
0: And we appreciate you listening. We will be back soon, uh, and we'll talk to you then. Yes,
1: sir.